Welcome to the One America podcast. This is your host, Sophia Nelson. Today is July 18th, 2020. I wanted to do a special Saturday thought segment um, in honor of the now late Congressman John Lewis. Um, on some level, I'm without words. On another level, I understand. Uh, I heard someone last night late. I was watching television when the news broke on social media that Congressman Lewis had passed away at the age of 80. He had been fighting pancreatic cancer, which we all know is uh, a very deadly form of cancer, a very difficult form of cancer. And uh, he fought valiantly. Um, There are pictures of him out during these latest rounds of protest about Black Lives Matter and like uh, George Floyd's death, murder. And uh, Mayor Bowser of D.C., of course, commissioned a Black Lives Matter mural on the ground outside of uh, Pennsylvania Avenue and um, renamed it John Lewis Plaza. And he lived to see that. Uh, I would encourage you today to spend some time going through the tributes from former presidents of the United States, Obama, Clinton, Bush, others, uh, members of Congress from both parties citizens and uh, luminaries and celebrities and academics from all walks of life talking about the life of the late John Lewis who served as Georgia's member of Congress from the 5th Congressional District. Uh, I remember, I'm old enough to remember, I was working on the George H.W. Bush re-election campaign in 1992 when I first met John Lewis. I met him at the time with Uh, Dr. Lewis Sullivan, who had been the dean of the Morehouse School of Medicine and then was HHS secretary under uh, President Bush, uh, 41. And we were at an event, a CBC event, and John Lewis was a new member of Congress at that time. And I have a great picture with him and uh, believe it or not, with Newt Gingrich and some others uh, that you wouldn't likely find in a photograph together. And I'm digging that photo out I got to pull out all the stuff in the garage and find it because we didn't have phones back then. We didn't have digital anything. We didn't have anything. Um, So you took a picture, you waited for the print, and you got it. But it's a a picture that I kept up in my office for many years. Uh, But when I stopped legal practice and packed things up and moved on to other things in my life, I, I no longer had those political pictures up. But I thought about that picture today for a number of reasons. One, I thought about the day that I met John Lewis, and one of the first things that I asked him as a then, what, 20, like 23, maybe 24, and I remember asking him, could I touch the scars on his head? Because they're visible when you meet him. And of course, being someone who studied African-American history in college, it was my minor, as well as being a... um, a big reader, as you know, and now writer myself, I was very familiar with who John Lewis was and what he had done in this country to make it possible for young people like me uh, to go on to law school, to work in the House of Representatives or to work in the Senate or to do many of the things that I did voting without thinking about it. And so he let me touch the scars on his head and it was humbling. And he was such a humble man. Anybody that knows John Lewis knows that he was a humble man. 
a great man, but humble. If you watch the movie Soma by my sorority sister, Ava DuVernay, it's one of the great movies uh, ever made about the civil rights era and about, certainly the focus was on Dr. King and his family, but John Lewis is prominently portrayed in that film because he had a major role in Selma. And it's there that he was almost beat to death and bloody. John Lewis was the type of person that um, perplexes racists and haters and men with dark hearts because he was so forgiving and so good. Uh, there's a great story about the man who beat him on the bridge that day. Uh, a white man, I believe he was uh, a peace officer, a police officer or a peace officer, meaning you know he might have been someone that was there observing one of the mobs that was called in to keep uh, the marchers in line, who, by the way, had nothing but their hands joined together and no weapons, no looting, no none of the stuff that uh, people like to use to change the subject. These were peaceful people walking across the bridge and they were beat, many murdered in broad daylight. And it wasn't until John Lewis many years later met up with this man, and I forget his name and I'll get it and I'll tweet about it, but the man apologized to him and asked him for his forgiveness. A man also at that time late in his years, as Lewis was late in his years, and they talked and they sat together and Congressman Lewis forgave him. Now, I don't know that I could have done it, uh, but he did. And those are the type of things that we are in desperate need of in our leadership right now, in our country right now. We're in desperate need of healers, uniners, truth tellers. And as John Lewis loved to say, we need young people. And many of them did it uh, in this uh, summer leading up to uh, this ugly situation with George Floyd and post George Floyd in the video, uh, while we all found ourselves shut in, young people got up and they marched peacefully. I'm tired of people lying on them and calling them rioters and looters and all the incendiary, divisive, and frankly untrue language that's been used. Yeah, there were people that did that, but they weren't the marchers. They were other groups brought in and white supremacist groups and groups that it's been proven by the FBI, don't take my word for it, came in to be agitators and to stir up strife and discord. So I wanted to remember Congressman Lewis today uh, and all throughout this weekend. The podcast is on sabbatical right now because I'm writing a book and I've been taking the summer off. But I wanted to get back on today because John Lewis is someone worthy of us talking about. Uh, he lived to be 80 years old. As President Obama said, I thought in a wonderful statement. Uh, of course, President Obama always makes wonderful statements. And it's worth noting as of 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, July 18th, the president of the United States of America has still not issued a statement or a tweet or his condolences or a kind word about the deceased civil rights icon, leader. That's who Donald Trump is. We could expect nothing less from him, but other presidents have, and certainly President Obama did. And I wanna to read to you a bit of what President Obama said 
Uh, if you'll give me a moment, I want to pull it up here in real time. But here's what he said. Uh, not many of us get to live to see our own legacy play out in such a meaningful, remarkable way. John Lewis did. And he goes on to talk about uh, the fact that John Lewis got into good trouble. John Lewis understood deeply the meaning of America and the meaning of our promise and the meaning of our purpose, so much so that he and Dr. King and by the way, C.T. Vivian passed away as well. Another civil rights icon died yesterday as well. And we want to send our thoughts and, and prayers out to his family as well as those of Representative John Lewis uh, because we're losing that generation of men and women. Um, I One of the great honors of my life um, was meeting um, with Rosa Parks and... Um, Coretta Scott King and um, a number of uh, African-American luminaries from that era in 1993 at the March on Washington, the 30th anniversary. And um, Dr. Dorothy Height, John Lewis was there, others. That generation is now gone. We've lost, if not all of them, most of them. Uh, Reverend Jackson is still with us, thank God. And uh, Dr. Andrew Young is still with us, but they're up in their years and not in the best of health. And I thought it was poignant when uh, Andy Young said yesterday, he was talking to Don Lemon last night on CNN. I was watching late when the news broke and he said, you know, uh, Don was saying how sad it is that John Lewis died and you know, what a life and absolutely true. But Dr. Young said something that made me think, and that's why I wanted to really get on and just talk to you for a moment this morning. And he said, you know, Don, it's okay. One day you will die too. I will die because we all die. And that's not really the point, is it? The point is, how did we live? How did we live? That's the question. I've asked it before in the wake of COVID-19 and coronavirus. I've asked it before in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. It's a question we ought to ask ourselves often. I think about that now as I am in my early 50s and I think about the fact that if the Lord is kind and gracious and if I live to the statistical averages of most women, I'll live into my 80s and then we're done. It's only 30 years from now, it's not a lot of time. So there is much more behind me than there is ahead of me. And I think about that. Am I getting into good trouble? Am I speaking up? Am I making the world better for those coming behind me? Am I a good person? Do I do what is right even when I don't want to? Do I stand up when something's wrong? Am I making an impact in the world in which I live? Am I getting into good trouble? And I hope when my turn comes, I can only hope to have people who say good things, who think I was a good person, who say I did something that impacted their life and made it better. I don't know. But John Lewis is one of those people that not only are people saying all those things about him, of course, but he goes down in history. 100 years from now, historians will talk about John Lewis and the March at Selma. We know they'll talk about Dr. King. We know they'll talk about Rosa Parks. We know they'll talk about 
uh, all of those who uh, Thurgood Marshall, the first, they made changes. They did amazing things. But John Lewis was just a regular, average, ordinary student um, coordinating the Student Nonviolent Committee. Um, and these were young men in their early 20s pushing back on Dr. King and uh, pushing back on A. Philip Randolph and pushing back on some of the great men and women of that era who were their seniors, who were then in their 50s and 60s, who wanted to take on racism, who wanted to take on Jim Crow, who wanted to take on the vestiges of slavery and bring equality and voting rights and civil rights, but they wanted to do it more strategically, more slowly by court cases. And these young people said, no, we're going to have to get in these folks' face. We're going to have to do sit-ins and we're going to have to do uh, you know, bus rides, and we're going to have to do peaceful protests, but we're going to have to do it in the open, and we're going to have to demand things of President Johnson and President Kennedy and those that would come after. And they understood that power concedes nothing without demand. But again, John Lewis, always a gentleman. Of all the things you're going to read about him over the weekend and over the next days, you're going to continually hear people talk about his humility, his kindness, his gift for forgiveness of those who did unthinkably horrific things to him, to those he loved. He watched people be beat. He himself was beat within an inch of his life because of hatred, because of racism, because of the color of his skin. And I'm glad that he lived to see the first black president. And I'm glad that he lived to not just see the first black president, but work alongside of him for eight years as a member of Congress, as the conscience of the Congress, as he was often called. We need more John Lewis's. So this morning, I just wanted to pause and reflect and ask my white listeners to, if you're not familiar with who he is, Google him, read some of the stories about him that'll be in the major papers and on the networks. Talk about him with your kids. Watch the documentary, Good Trouble, and understand the magic of the moment and the movement that was the civil rights and how a young man with other young men and young women had the courage to stand up against a systemic system of racism, lynching, abuse, Jim Crow, poll taxes, literacy tests. Folks, this happened in my lifetime. I was born in 1967. My parents were young people at the time when civil rights was going on. They were overseas because my father was serving in the military. But the thing is, this is not something that happened 100 years ago or 200 years ago. This happened in our lifetime, in this moment of consciousness, this happened. So let's not forget John Lewis and the good trouble. And what he means by good trouble is there's a time when it's okay to stand up, to go to jail for what you believe in, to protest for what you believe in, to march for what you believe in, to push back on the system and say, no, I will break you before I let you break me, but do it with grace, with grit, with wisdom, with strategy, and most of all, with humility. I am always in awe of Gandhi and Dr. King and the movements 
because I know that for me, I would have been on the other side. I would have been marching and strategizing with Malcolm. I know my nature. I would not have been on the team where people were beating me with clubs and, and spitting on me and hosing me down and sicking dogs on me and been okay with it. Not in my nature. So I'm in awe and respectful of those who did do that and who could do that and who led that type of effort. And when people in this country, it's interesting, there are two moments I think about. The Selma March, where people watched on television around the country on the evening news, black people being hosed and beaten and dogs attacking them. And it changed the consciousness of this country. It shifted things. White people like Viola Louza came down from Michigan and drove civil rights workers, uh, Catholic priests and Jewish uh, rabbis came, white people came and sat and marched with black people because they were appalled at what they saw. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Yes, George Floyd, and in this moment, we saw our white brothers and sisters rise up and go, wait a minute, hold up, I'm home. I'm shut in and I'm watching this and I see this and what in the hell is this? This is not America, this is not who we are, this is not what we do. I'm going to do something. That is e pluribus unum, that is what makes this country great. That is what makes us different from any other place in the world. That when we get it, when the light bulb goes off, we get it, we get up, we come together and we do it together. I want to challenge you today to stop taking the vicious bait of the president. The president's a racist. He is. He's a lying, open, hostile racist. His niece, Mary Trump, said that, not me. His niece, who's known him for 50 some years. His niece, who he tried to put under a non-disclosure agreement. His niece, who wrote a book that sold a million copies before it even hit the stores. His niece, who's given amazing interviews. I've watched them all. And she's credible. She's believable. She's telling us what we all know. And those of you who still support him and like him and are, are making yourself comfortable with racism and making yourself comfortable with things that you know are offensive to you and odious to you and not who you are, you need to listen to her. You need to read the book. Man is not a good man. He's not a man that wants this country to heal and to go forward and to be a better, more perfect union. We need men and women like that now in service. So I'm going to end this podcast by challenging you to get into good trouble in your life, to stand up for others that can't stand up for themselves, to do what is right when it is hard, to speak up and say what you need to say when it may get you into some trouble some difficulty, some challenge. If we're going to change this country and make it live up to the promissory note that Dr. King talked about, to its original intent of all men being equal, if we're going to do that, it's gonna require all of us. It's not going to be enough for black and brown people to say, we need change. It's going to take our white brothers and sisters saying, we get it and we want you at the table. We're gonna create spaces, we're going to create inclusion at the table, all the tables that we all sit at, and we're going to do this together. If we're going to live up to our credo, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If we're going to live up to that, 
it should start in memory of John Lewis. I hope you all will sign the petition that's going around to rename the Edmund Pettus Bridge, which is named after a racist Confederate general, and to rename it the John Lewis Memorial Bridge. No more fitting honor. It's deserved. He earned it. His blood is on that bridge. It's time to shift America. Let's get into good trouble together. Let's do this together. We don't need dividers. We don't need haters. We don't need liars. We don't need wreckers. We don't need people spewing and spitting about what's theirs and what belongs to them and their country and their this and that. It's not America. Maybe it was at one time, but it shouldn't be going forward. Black lives matter. Women's lives matter. Our kids' lives matter. Yes, police lives matter. Of course they do. The doctors and nurses, the first responders that are on the front lines, their lives matter. We all matter. All of us, we're precious. At the end of the day, as President Kennedy said so eloquently at his American University commencement address, the last one he would ever give in 1963, he said it, we're all human, we all breathe the same air. And we're all mortal. And that is it at the end of the day. Because as Dr. Young said to Don Lemon, Don, you're going to die. I'm going to die. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to die. And so will you. So the question is, how are you living? Are you living? Number one takeaway for me from March till now, as we look at the death, as we look at the infection, as we look at the, 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 the economy and the lost jobs and the devastation of COVID-19, and we haven't hit the second wave yet. We're still in the first wave. I wanna live. I wanna do some good. I wanna get into good trouble. I wanna run for office someday soon. I want to be a lifter, a builder. I want to bring people together. I want to inspire a new generation to be better than us, to do better than us, to live better than us, to love better than us. John Lewis, John Lewis, who I met at the age of 23, and then again in 2015, the last time I saw him was when I was getting an award at the United States Secret Service um, it's pinned to my Twitter feed. It's on my Instagram page. It's also on my personal Facebook page. I posted the picture of us. He was there for my speech. He was there for my award. Uh, I got to talk with him. I got to hug him. I touched that scar in his head again. I didn't know it would be the last time I would see him. Um, but John Robert Lewis... Born February 21st, 1940, in Troy, Alabama, in the heart of the deep, segregated South. A sharecropper's son died July 17, 2020, Atlanta, Georgia. He is now with his beloved wife, Lillian, who uh, died in 2012. Uh, they have been married since 1968. He leaves family, friends, and a nation that's grateful. Uh, I know that the Congressional Black Caucus will be saddened. I know that the House of Representatives will be saddened. Republicans and Democrats alike. Everybody loved John Lewis. So this is our country. This is our America. This is our moment. 
This is our moment to shine. This is our moment to make a difference. This is our moment to make America live up to the greatness of her promise and of her purpose. You guys, I love you. God bless you. God keep you. And God bless the United States of America.